as we go uh, verse by verse through the passage here in Matthew, Lord. Uh, you uh, gave us this word for a reason. You want us to learn it. You want us to study it. You want us to apply it to our lives. And Lord, I pray that you please help us to do so. Help us to have uh, listening uh, ears, Lord, and an open heart to be able to hear your word. And I pray, Father, that we would grow because of it, not just in Bible knowledge, but that we would apply it to our lives. Lord, we love you. In your precious name I pray, amen. Well, we're there in Matthew chapter number 6, and this is now our third sermon in Matthew 6. And I told you, as we go through Matthews 5, 6, and 7, we're going to go a little slow, because Jesus here is, and we're right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the, the Sermon on the Mount, which is a famous sermon Jesus preached, is Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. We spent three weeks in Matthew 5. This is now our third week in Matthew 6. Uh, we'll probably spend at least two, maybe three weeks in Matthew 7. And uh, as we've been going through this, we've been going kind of by subject. And you know, we read the, I like to read the entire chapter. It's the third time we've read Matthew 6 now in the last three weeks. And even though we didn't cover the entire chapter three weeks ago, and we didn't cover the entire chapter uh, last week, and we're not going to cover the entire chapter this week, we've been doing it in sections, it's good for you, us to read it, because it helps you remember what we've learned the weeks before, and help it concrete it in your mind as we go through it. But if you notice, as we uh, started Matthew 6, first we dealt with the subject of the heart, and the subject of hypocrisy, and why you do something, and the Pharisees there uh, uh, praying, and, and giving alms, and fasting, to be seen of men. Last week we dealt with the subject of what's known as the Lord's Prayer and the pattern for prayer that Jesus Christ gave us there. This week we'll deal with the end of the passage there and the end of the last few verses there. And we're having, I don't know why we're having trouble with these things. I don't think it's, uh, I don't think I've got a low battery, so we'll just have to go through it there. But we, as you, as you go through, last week we ended in, uh, in verse 18. We'll do verses 19 through 34 tonight. And really, the end of the passage here is Jesus, uh, ends this chapter by teaching on the subject of finances. And he's talking about money. So, you know, if you, sometimes people say, oh, preachers, they all like to preach about money. And if you all know why I'm preaching about money tonight, it's because Jesus preached on money. And you know, we were in, we were in Matthew, we were in, in the uh, middle part this chapter the week before that, and we were in Matthew 5 before that, and Matthew 4 before that, and it's just what Jesus is talking about, so if he talked about it, well, we'll talk about, but he's dealing with the subject of finances, and he's, and you know, honestly, as you study the Bible, as you read the Bible, you'll, you'll begin to realize that Jesus and the Bible itself talks about finances a lot. And the reason for it is because, honestly, money and finances is a big part of our lives. I mean, most of our week is spent, what, working a job so that we can provide for ourselves, provide for our families. I mean, finance is a huge part of our lives. And here, Jesus is talking about finances, but really, he's talking about what the subject of finances reveals in our hearts and in our lives. If you look at verse 19, Matthew six nineteen, he says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Now he's saying, look, you don't want to have a life that is revolved around laying up treasures on the earth. Now you say, well, why, 
Would we not want to have a focus of just storing up treasure, having a bunch of money, having a bunch of, you know, nice things? And there's nothing wrong with having money and there's nothing wrong with having nice things. But why would our focus not want to be that of laying up treasures upon the earth? He answers the question there. If you look at verse 19, he says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. You say, why should I not lay up for myself treasures upon earth? Here's why. Where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. See, Jesus is teaching that our focus should not be on earthly treasures. Here's why. Because you can lose, and not only can you lose, you will lose earthly treasures. you understand that? I mean, the Bible says, you know, you can have, he says, you can have all the gold, you can have all the silver, you can have all the metal, but moth and rust doth corrupt here on, or on earth. And he says, thieves break through and steal. And you know what? Honestly, just, you know, go on the internet, pick up a newspaper, and you, we hear all the time about people losing their life savings in the stock market. I mean, losing, and look, I'm all for, I'm not one of these people that's against, you know, investing money. I'm all for you investing money. I'm all for you making money. I'm all for you, you know, being as successful as you can in life, and then tithing, praise God, you know. I'm all for you being, you know, uh, 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 successful financially, and the Bible talks a lot about that. But, you know, honestly, our focus and our, our life's goal ought not be on earth. Because, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, nobody dies rich. You just die. You understand that? You say, well, I'm going to die rich. No, you're just going to die like anyone else is going to die. And you're not taking the money with you. It's not going with you. So he says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. He says, look, if you focus your life on trying to just become wealthy and rich on this earth, he says, you're wasting your time because Money and riches and wealth on this earth get corrupted, get destroyed, get stolen. They are temporal. They do not last. Verse 20 he says, but, he says, I don't want you laying up treasures upon the earth. He says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now here's an interesting thought. Because it's not just good verses, not just good preaching. Jesus says, don't lay up treasures on earth. He says, but you do have the ability to lay treasures in heaven. Now it's interesting. You, well, let's just uh, read, read the rest of the verse. You say, why would I want to lay up treasures in heaven? Why would I want to lay up? Well, heaven is eternal. He says, look, in earth, moth and rust doth corrupt. These break through and steal. But he says, in heaven, neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. And where thieves do not break through nor steal. There are no Madoffs. There are no, you know, Ponzi schemes. There are no uh, uh, thieves in heaven that are going to take the things. Now, here's what's interesting. You cannot take money with you to heaven. And by the way, money on earth is nothing in heaven. You know, what's the most precious thing we can think of on earth? You think of a diamond. You think of a pearl. You think of gold. You know that in heaven the streets are paved with gold? The gates are made of pearls? The sea is made of glass and crystal. I mean, in heaven, the things that we value are just on the ground. It's something we walk on. I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting thought. You know, we, we are uh, consumed with finances here on earth. But in heaven, God says, not that big of a deal. But here's what's interesting to me. If you look at verse 20, he says, But lay out for yourself treasure in heaven. So he's saying this. You can't take money with you, but here's what's interesting about money. You can send it on ahead. I mean, he says, lay up for yourselves 
treasures in heaven. He says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth. He says, but do lay for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now here's the interesting thing, okay? Because that's easy to say, but how do you do that? I mean, do you go to a Western Union office and just say, I'd like to deposit this money into heaven? You know, I mean, we don't have the ability to do that. Okay, but obviously you can do it if He said you can do it. I mean, do you believe if Jesus said you can lay up treasures in heaven, that you can lay up treasures in heaven? I mean, if He says it, you must be able to do it. So the question is, how can you lay up treasures in heaven? Go to Mark 6, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 16. You're there in Matthew 6? Go to Matthew 16. Let me just give you a few things to think about in regards to that. Matthew 16. Matthew 16. You've got to understand this, okay? Earth is temporal. Heaven is eternal. Earth is temporary. It won't last. Heaven will last forever. It's eternal. But here's what's funny. Jesus is teaching that we can take something that is temporary, like money and treasures on earth, and lay them up in heaven, and therefore make the treasures we are laying up in heaven an eternal treasure that we'll have forever. Now you got this question, how can I do that? How can I lay up treasures in heaven? Well, you got to understand a few things. Number one, there's only one thing that you and I possess on earth that is eternal. Other than the Word of God, of, of course. And the only thing that you have that will last forever is your soul. Are you there in Matthew 16? Look at verse number 26. Matthew 16, verse 26. For what is a man profited? If he shall gain the whole world, and notice what he says here, and lose his own soul. So he says, look, if a man gains the whole world, they're the richest man on earth, but they die and go to hell, what profit did they have? Nothing. Amen. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? How much money is a soul worth? How much gold could you give in exchange for a soul? How much silver or, 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 or uh, diamonds or, or, or wealth could you give for a soul? Look, a soul is invaluable. Why? Because a soul, a human soul, is eternal. And it's the only eternal thing you and I possess. The Word of God is eternal, but the Word of God belongs to God. The only thing that you have that belongs to you that will last forever is your soul. And guess what? The only thing that anybody has that will last forever is your soul. Not even your body will last forever. Your body will die, your body will be buried, your body will turn into uh, uh, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, is what the Bible says. Now we understand that this corruptible will put on incorruption, and this mortal will put on immortality. We understand that Jesus Christ will resurrect this body and give us a new body, but that's a new body. The only thing you have that will last forever is your soul. Go to Philippians chapter 4. So here's the thing. How, do we how, how can I turn money that is temporary... And transfer that to heaven and make the value of it eternal. Well, we understand this. The only thing that we have in our realm that will last forever is our soul, is a human soul, is your soul. So how can we convert money into a value of that which, which would be the, uh, of a soul? Okay, are you there in Philippians chapter 4? You're Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter number 4. And look at verse number 15. Philippians chapter number 4 and verse number 15. The Apostle Paul is uh, writing to the church at Philippi here. And he says in verse 15, Philippians 4.15, I want you to see what he's talking about. He says, Know ye Philippians, uh, I'm sorry, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, 
When I departed from Macedonia, he's talking about when he began his ministry, uh, when he began his journey there. He said, when I departed from Macedonia, he says, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Now look, that ought to be a sad statement in and of itself. Here you've got the greatest missionary that ever lived, and no church wants to support him financially. I mean, no church church communicated with me in giving and receiving, but ye only. And and by the way, let me just tell you this. Our church is a young church, and our church is not this place, but our church will eventually grow and get to the place where we will financially support missionaries and church planners that will go out and preach the gospel because it's the right thing to do. And here Paul is saying, look, no one supported me, no one called me, no one said, how are you doing, Paul? Do you need anything, Paul? He said, no one communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Now look at verse 16. For even in Thessalonica, you ever heard of the book of Thessalonians? I mean, this is, he said, even when I was at another church, ministering to the other church, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. He said, this church at Philippi, just time and time again, were uh, helping Paul financially, giving him money, so that he wouldn't have to make tents, and he did make tents, and we understand that he worked when he had to work. Paul wasn't afraid of working. But if they were able to help him financially, they said, we want to help you financially, so you don't have to waste your time working on these other jobs. You can just preach the gospel. You can just start churches. You can just get people saved. You can just endeavor to work the work of the ministry, which is ministering to souls which will last forever. Now notice what Paul says, verse 17. Not because I desire a gift. He said, look, I didn't communicate with you in regards to supporting me financially because I wanted something. Now, now don't miss this, okay? But I desire fruit that may abound to your account. So you got to understand this. The Bible is very clear, and I don't have to, have to develop this. You can study this out on your own. But the Bible is very clear. If you are saved, you will never stand before God and be judged on the fact of whether you're going to heaven or hell. If you're saved. If you're a believer. No believer will ever stand before what the Bible calls the great white throne judgment, where God sends people to hell. And, and by the way, that's a really good reason to get saved. If you're struggling with salvation, you say, I don't know if I'm saved. You need to just get saved. And stop you know, worrying about it and just put your faith in Jesus Christ. Because no believer will ever stand before the great white throne and have to worry about, am I going to heaven or am I going to hell? But you know, the Bible does say that every believer will stand before what's known as the judgment seat of Christ. You say, what's the judgment seat of Christ? Where, you, where I get, where, where God, you know, talks to me about all my sins? No. The Bible says He will never bring up your sins. The Bible says He's forgotten your sins. The Bible says he, He's never, He's forgiven you of your sins. But at the judgment seat of Christ, we will be judged for the work that we did for Jesus. And you know what He's going to judge us? Whether we did things that had eternal value or had earthly value. He said He's going to take all, see, Jesus is going to take all the work you've ever done. Everything you've ever done, he's going to take it all. That business you built, that 401k you saved for, that all, all the things you did on earth, and then he's going to take all the things you did spiritually. The Bible says, I mean, I don't have time to develop it, but you can study it out. The Bible says he's going to put it into an oven. He's going to burn it all up. He said the things that are of this earth are wood, hay, and stubble. And you know what happens to wood, hay, and stubble when you drop it in fire? It burns up. And he says, look, I'm going to take all, all the stuff you've ever done for this earth. 
All the money you saved, all the business you build, everything you ever did. He said, I'm going to put it in there. And he said, if it was earthly, it's going to get burned up. He said, but if it was spiritual, it'll be uh, uh, precious gold. He said, it'll be gold and silver. And he said, I'm going to put that in the fire. You know, fire doesn't destroy gold. It just refines it. And he said, once the fire is out, whatever's left over, he said, I'm going to uh, reward you based on that. Now, here's the thing. The Bible, this is what the Bible says, that there are people that are going to get to heaven, and it uses this phrase, as of by fire. And what that means is that literally there are going to be people, and some of them are sitting right now in this auditorium listening to me talk, that are going to get to heaven. She's going to take everything you've ever done, put it in the fire, it's going to all get burned up, and he's going to say, well, you can go to heaven, but you get no rewards because you did nothing spiritual. That's what the Bible literally teaches. As he says, I know you took a lot of vacations. I know you drove a real nice vehicle. I know you had a very nice car. I know your 401k was very impressive. But guess what? Up here, it means nothing. And he says, praise the Lord, you're saved, but that's it, as of by fire. See, only those things that we do, that, that we do spiritually, only those things have an eternal value. And see, every time the offering plate goes by, and you put a dollar bill in it, or you put a $5 bill, or a $10 bill, or your tithe, your whatever it is, and every time you put that money in there, you understand, that money is used for the furthering of the gospel. That money is used to be able to support a pastor, to preach the gospel, to be able to, uh, you know, buy invitations, to be able to do whatever it is we do, to reach people, uh, reach people the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you invest in reaching souls, then Paul says, you have fruit to your account in heaven. See, and that will yield you way more money than any stock market will ever do. Now look, I'm not against people making money. I want you to make money. I just preached a whole sermon on character and finances where I was teaching you to make money. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you that there are things that are more important than just money. And Paul says here, he, Paul said, when this church gave to me financially so I could preach the gospel, he said, uh, he said not because I desire to give, but I desire fruit that may amount to your account. Here's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, the fact that you're supporting my ministry means when I get to heaven, he said, you're going to get rewarded for the things that I was able to do. I mean, wouldn't you like to get rewarded for the ministry that Paul had? That would be great. He said, this is how you can send treasure up ahead. When you invested into the souls of mankind. When you financially, because look, I don't know if you guys know this, and I don't, I don't want to make this all about money, but you got to understand this. Churches pay bills too. <laughs> You know, people get this idea. They 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 want to they want to come to church. They want to sit in a comfortable auditorium. They they don't want it to be too hot. They don't want it to be too cold. They you know they want it to be just right. Goldilocks. You know what I mean? I mean, if it's too hot, I'm complaining. If it's too cold, I'm complaining. You know, you want to be able to just come in. You want the pastor. The pastor better preach a, a dynamic sermon three times a week. I mean, it better he better it better be a home run every time, or I'm not coming back. You try doing that. You try preaching the best sermon you ever preached three times a week. But, you know, I don't care. You know, I'm not going to give money to support the pastor. I mean, he needs to go out and work 50 hours a week, and then he better preach the greatest sermon I ever heard, or I'm not coming back. People have that attitude. You know, who cares if the van came out to pick me up? It better be here when it says it's here. It better be clean. It better be fueled up. It better be... I'm just here to tell you that, you know, all of this costs money. And people want to come in here and, and have the privileges of being in a church and they want everything to do. But you got to understand, it costs money to do all that. And when you invest into a church, you're investing into things that are eternal. Because on earth, you can invest in a 401k. You can invest in a Roth IRA. You can invest in the stock market. But you know what? 
the things of this earth get destroyed and get stolen and will not last. But when you invest in the, in the eternal, he said that will last forever. And you know what? It's our job to preach the gospel and it's also our job to make sure we invest financially into the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus is teaching. Go back to Matthew chapter 6. Verse 21. Now here's why, here's why I like to preach about money even though I don't really preach about it that much. But here's why I like to preach about it. Because whenever you talk about money, people start getting upset. I don't like a preacher that preaches about money. Well, then you wouldn't like Jesus, because he's the one that preaches about money. I don't want, you know, I want him to just preach and, and don't talk about money. But you know why people don't like to hear about money? Matthew 6.21, Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. See, the thing is, the, the, your, your checkbook does more to let us know about where your heart really is for God than anything you could say or anything you could do. See, people like to say, Oh, I love God with all my heart. Well, your checkbook doesn't really show it. Your banking account doesn't really show it. See, where your treasure is, this is Jesus. This is what Jesus said. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So you know what? When you choose to disobey God and not tithe, God knows exactly where your heart is. So well, I can't tithe because I need that money to pay the bills. Well, God knows exactly. You'd rather, honestly, you, you really want to stand before God and have to explain to Him that you are more interested in pleasing the PG&E company than you were God? I mean, look, if someone's not going to get paid from the Jimenez home, I'd rather pay God and, and let Smud, you know, do what they got to do. I mean, I'd rather make sure, I'd rather pay God than pay my insurance. No, you should pay both. You should have, you should develop the character to pay everything. <laughs> But if I can only pay one, hey, you know who I'm paying is God. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. When you choose to, you know, people get this idea. Why well, I don't have time to read my Bible because I, I got to get up early and go to work. I, I don't have time to pray because I'm busy working. I got to skip church because I got to work on Sunday because I got to make all, look, make all excuses you want. I'm just going to tell you, God knows exactly where your heart is. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And you know what? It's an excuse to say that you can either do something spiritual or work a job. That's an excuse. Because you know what? All of us could read our Bible, pray, work 40 hours a week, work 50 hours a week, serve God. Everyone can do it. You may have to develop a little bit of character, but you can do it. Develop the self-discipline to do it. To work and serve God. You know, if you, if you just did what the Bible says and got yourself out of debt and got yourself out of financial bondage, then you might not be so pressed to have to work all those hours. People, you know, and, and again, you say, Pastor, why are you preaching about money? Because it's Matthew 6. It's just what it is, what it is. Next week we'll be in Matthew 7. But the Bible says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Look at verse 22, Matthew 6, 22. The light of the body is the eye. Now understand, the context is all about money, right? And these verses could be used to preach other things, but the context is, is money, finances, treasure. He says, the light of the body is the eye. If, therefore, the eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. The word single there means if your eye is focused on one thing. If your eye is focused on the sun. He, the idea here is, think of a room that is completely dark and there's just one little window. And that window just has the sun coming in. I mean, if your eye is single, the whole room is going to be full of light. 
And that's your body. He says, look, if you're just focused on God, if you're focused on the Son of God, he said, if your eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But look at verse 23. But if thine eye be evil, what is your eye? The thing you focus on. The things you look at. If thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. Here's what he's talking about. Where are you focused? Because the things you're focused on, those things will consume you. He says, if your eye is single on the light, then you're going to be full of light. And if your eye is single on the evil, then you're going to be full of darkness. Now here's what's interesting. He says, if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, he says, how great is that darkness? And he said, well, what is he talking about there? Go, go back to Matthew chapter 5. Do you remember Matthew 5? Uh, let's see if we can find it real quickly. Uh, verse... Look at verse number 14, Matthew 5, 14. Remember, we talked about this when we were in Matthew 5, 14. Matthew 5, 14. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Jesus already said, look, you as a believer and I as a believer, our job is to be the light of the world. So here's what he's saying. Look, your job is to be the light. So if you, if your eye is evil and your whole body is full of darkness, he said, if your whole body is full of darkness and your job is to be the light, he says, man, how great is that darkness? See what I'm saying? He's saying, look, if your job is to give the gospel, and the Bible says, if our gospel be hidden, it's hid to them that are lost. He says, if your job is to give the gospel and you refuse to give the gospel, he's like, how, how in trouble are those people that need it? If you're the one that's got it and you don't want to do it. He says, how dark? He said, you're darker than dark. He said, you're worse than the world. If your body is full of darkness, when you are to be the light. Go to verse, look at verse 24. Matthew 6, 24. Again, Jesus is talking about this idea of treasures, money, serving God, serving ourselves. Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He says, ye cannot serve God and mammon. The interesting thing about that word mammon, and I'm not going to take time to show you the other passages that it's used, it's not used that much in scripture, but the word mammon means material wealth or possessions. Look, Jesus is just getting right down to it and saying, look, you cannot, you either serve God or you serve money. You serve God, or you serve, you serve material wealth or possessions, but you cannot serve both. And honestly, you should ask yourself this question, do I serve God, or do I serve money? When it's between me and money, well, I'm sorry, when it's between, you know, God and money, who do I lean towards? Who, who is it the one that I'm, more, that I'm more willing to bow to and serve to? Is it God, or is it money? Honestly, ask yourself the question, you should, because here's the thing, you can't serve both. You're either serving God or you're serving mammon, but you're not serving both. He says, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. And look, in America today, we get this idea that we're, we're this pseudo-Christian nation. You know, we kind of have the glimpse of maybe a prior Christianity or something. And we think that we're better than the world. But let me tell you something. Just like the Old Testament heathens, and just like Old Testament Israel at times, and just like the heathens in the world, American idol, and I'm not talking about the show, I'm talking about idolatry in America is as alive and well as it is in India and anywhere else in the world. Today, Christians serve idols
animals and mammon and wealth. And we don't like to hear about it. That's why we don't want preaching on finances. Because we're, we're more busy serving the almighty dollar than we are serving the almighty God. And look, it's true. Today, we serve... You know, you, you think these sports aren't a bunch of idols that people are serving? Pastor, you're not supposed to talk about sports. I know, I'm not supposed to talk about a lot of things. <laughs> but let me tell you something. When you skip church to go to some football game, or some baseball game, or some whatever game, you have an idol. Because you're serving something else other than God. When you skip church to work, you're serving money other than God. When you skip church to... people, And look, people make idols of everything. They make idols of sports. They make idols of fishing. They make idols of, of TV shows. They make idols of their family. They make idols of their career. They make idols of the boat, of the lake. Look, whatever it is you do, and that you do, and you do it, instead of serving God, it's an idol. Period. End of story. That's what Jesus said. And here's the thing. You cannot serve God. Amen. I don't like you saying that. I know. It's my job. That's what I do. And you said, why are you saying it? Because it's Matthew 6. Look verse 25. Therefore. Okay, therefore means for this reason. For what reason? For the fact that you cannot serve God in money. For the fact that you cannot serve God in anything else. You can only serve God. And by the way, the Bible says God is a jealous God. He wants all of your attention. He doesn't want to share you with anybody, anything, for any reason, period, end of story. And he says, look, therefore. He says, because you cannot serve God in mammon. I say unto you, this is Jesus speaking. I want to know what Jesus has to say to me. Well, you're about to find out. I say unto you, look what he says, take no thought for your life. You know what the word, he says, don't think about your life. He says, don't take care for your life. Don't be worried about your life. He says, look, if your job is to serve me, then don't worry about you. He says, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, or what you shall drink. Know yet for the body what you shall put on. Now here's, here's an interesting phrase. I like how Jesus says this. He says, is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? The word meat in the Bible means food. He says, look, isn't your life more than just food? Raiment is clothing. He said, isn't your body more than just clothing? See, the way you and I live today... Oftentimes, we, we act as if the things we drive, and the houses we live in, and the clothes we put on, and the restaurants we go to, we act as if that is our life. Let me tell you something. Life is more than food. Life is more than clothing. Life is more than how much money you've got in the bank account. He says, is not your life more than meat, and your body than raiment? Verse 26. Behold, now here's the interesting. Behold, the fowls of the air. He says, look. Look at the birds. He says, they sow not, neither do they reap. They don't garden. They don't have a farm, nor gather into barns. They don't build barns and gather food. They don't do any of that. And your, yet your Heavenly Father feedeth them. I like this phrase too. Somebody should give this to the liberals in our society today. Are you not much better than they? That's just a good concept for you to remember. The Bible is very clear that humans are better than animals. You know, the, I know the today you talk to all these liberals, and you know, Ameri America is such a messed up society. I mean, we literally live in a country, and I'm not advocating, you know, animal danger. Or I'm not advocating hurting animals. The Bible also teaches anyone that hurts animals is an, a weird person. Okay, so if you you know you you're like I like to kill cats, you need help. Okay, that's, that's not normal. 
I'm not advocating that. But you know what? People will get more upset. If, if I took a cat and strangled it, people get more upset. And I'd probably spend more time in prison for doing that than aborting a human being in America. That's a messed up society. I mean, we, we are more concerned about whether animals are having shampoo, uh, uh, you know, tested on them than about human beings being killed. It's crazy. But, but Jesus said, look, it's not the life. He said, he said you are much better than they. He, in, another, in Corinthians, he said, God, he said, God doesn't care about oxen. God doesn't care about it. And I'm not advocating you herd animals. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm telling you this. Human beings are more important in the eyes of God than animals. And that, that's something we should not forget about. But he says, look, you're much better than me. And your heavenly father feeds them. Look at verse 27. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto a stature? Now that'd be nice. <laughs> if I could just make myself be taller. <laughs> but he said, look, who can do that? Can, can any of you just make your, you know, make yourself taller, make yourself bigger, make yourself whatever? Here's, here's what Jesus is trying to illustrate. You and I like to worry about things that we have no control over. You would think it was silly. If I was just like, I can't leave my house, I'm in this dark room, and I just can't do anything, and I'm just so scared, and I'm so this, and I'm so that, and I've got, you know, I'm having a nervous breakdown, and you're like, why? Why are you having a nervous breakdown? Because I can't get myself to be one inch taller. You would think, that is silly. I mean, you can't control that. You can't control what, how tall you are, or your skin color, or your hair color. Well, you can do that, but, you know, not naturally. <laughs> you say, well, that's not, you shouldn't worry about that, because you don't have any control over that. But, you know, half the stuff we do worry about, we have no control over. Just, we need to just learn to trust God. We need to just learn to, to give it to God. And he's like, look, here's what he's saying. He said, look, you can't control it anyway. You you can't control if if, 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 if you know... The stock market is going to crash, if the dollar is going to collapse, if Russia is going to take over, if China is going to, you know, we can't control it. So there's no point in worrying about it. He says, which of you can, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Verse 28, he says, and why take you thought for raiment? He says, why do you think about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. For they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. He said, look, the lilies of the field, I don't, you don't see them out there making clothing, toiling and spinning. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And that was an interesting thing that Jesus said that. Solomon must have been a real flashy uh, dresser, you know what I mean? Because Jesus, that's who he used as an example. He says, look, the lilies of the field, they don't toil, they don't spin. And even Solomon wasn't arrayed like one of these. Verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, he says, look, if God makes sure the grass is taken care of, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, again, what's the point he's trying to make? The environment, trees are not as important as human beings. He says, shall he not much more clothe you? See, here's the problem, O ye of little faith. That's the actual problem. When it comes to our finances, you know why we don't trust God with our finances? Because we lack faith. It's, it's, it's very, I, I would say it's funny, except it's not, you know. <laughs> but but, but it, the, the thought is funny. You and I trust God with our eternal soul. Where we're going to spend eternity when we die. 
whether we will spend eternity in hell in torments. We trust God with that. But we can't trust Him with our finances? I mean, we've got it backwards. He says, look. He says, verse 31, Therefore take no thought. He's saying, don't worry about it. Now look, he's not saying, you know, don't worry about it, just stay home, don't go to work, don't try to do anything, I'll take care of you. That's not what he's saying. Okay, we, obviously we dealt with that on Sunday night. Character and work ethic. I mean, we're, it was pretty clear from Scripture. Does God expect everyone to work? Yes, He does. Is it a sin to not work? Yes, it is. It is wrong to not work. And again, I'm not preaching Sunday night sermon. And I'm not talking about a job either. You may not have a job, but you should still get up and work every day. So obviously God expects you to work. But He says, look, do everything you're going to do, and then don't worry about it. He says, do everything God has commanded you to do. He said, get up, work hard every day, do what you're supposed to do, and then just give it to God. He said, therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. You know, the Gentiles, he's talking about, he's using them as, as an example of the world. Here's what he said. You understand the world, all day long, they're worried about their finances. All day long, they're worried about, are they going to be able to pay their bills? Are they going to be able to do this? Are they going to be able to do that? He says, look, that's what the world does. He says, you don't do that. He says, don't take any thought for that. Why not? Look at the last part of verse 32. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. He says, look, you know what's the difference between you and the world? Is you've got a heavenly Father that knows what you need. And He's going to take care of it. Now again, that's not saying that you're going to, you know, everything's just going to be fine and don't worry about it. Just just go, you know, sleep for 20 hours a day and don't go work and don't do it. That, that's not what we're saying at all. All we're saying is this. Once you've done everything you can do, and you just think like, I still am not making it. Just once you've done everything you can do. Just give it to God, and don't worry about it. But here's the thing. Make sure you've done everything you can do. Because see, most of us don't do that. We do half of we could do, if that, and then we expect God to bail us out. Well, we talked about that on Sunday morning. God's not going to bail you out of every storm. But once you've done everything you can do, just give it to God. Now, here's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to be focused on finances, verse 33. Here's what we're supposed to do. But seek ye third, the kingdom of God. Is that what it says? But seek ye second, the kingdom of God. Is that what it says? It says, but seek ye first, the kingdom of God. You, you just got to understand this. If you're, if, if, you're not, if you're listening to me right now and you're not saved, okay? Let me, just, let me just try to talk you out of salvation for a little while. So why would you do that? I'm not really trying to do that. But here's what you understand. If, if you're not saved and you're considering getting saved, let me just explain. Before you go ahead and, 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 and sign the lease, before you say, yeah, you know, let me confess it with my mouth and believe my heart. Let me go ahead and get this. Let me just, before you do it, just, you got to go into it understanding this. Once you get saved, God expects to be number one in your life. Just understand that. Because Christians struggle with this. They think like, well, well, yeah, but, you know, put him first, but what about my bills, and what about my this, and what about my that? Look, I'm just telling you, before you get saved, God expects, He says, that He should have the preeminence. He should come number one. Hey, that's just what He's, that's part of the deal. Here's the deal. You don't go to hell, He comes number one in your life. I think it's a pretty good deal. Verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. And His righteousness. Here's what that means. Every And look, you and I ought to live our lives constantly asking ourselves this question. Every time something comes up for debate. 
Should I read my Bible today? You guys know, what would God want me to do? How can I make sure that I seek Him first? You know, do I have time to pray? I woke up late this morning. I can only do one of two things. I can either pray or I can have breakfast. You ask yourself this question, what can I do? That would put God first. And you know, that will actually help you develop the character and get up early the next day. Because you want to make sure you get your fruit loops in. You know what I mean? But you should seek Him first, the kingdom of God. I mean, in every area of life. If you're, you're ever in a situation where you could just steal something, you know, at the job or whatever, you could steal something, no one would ever know. You should ask yourself this question. What should I do that would seek first the kingdom of God? And His righteousness. We should do right in seeking first the kingdom of God. Now here's what's interesting. Verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And here's what God says. If you make sure to keep me first. God said this, not me. Some of you are going to label me a prosperity preacher. But it's the word of God. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Look what He says. And all... These things shall be added unto you. God says, look, you put me first, I'll make sure all these things are added unto you. What things? What have we been talking about? Food, raiment. God says, look, you put me first, I'll make sure you're taken care of. But you put me first. Remember the story of the, of the, the widow in the Old Testament where the prophet came in and said, Hey, uh, feed, God said you need to feed me first. She said, well, I've only got enough to feed. I was going to feed myself and my son and then I was going to die. He says, you feed me first and then we'll see what God does. Remember, God took care of her. And God will take care of you if you seek Him first. He says, look, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. It's just, it's interesting. Well, look at verse 34. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. Look, don't worry about tomorrow. We're not talking about not preparing for the future. Obviously, the Bible says we ought to prepare for the future. But he says, take no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take care of the things of itself. Sufficient unto day, the day is the evil thereof. Look, isn't it interesting that all the, all, uh, usually all the concerns and all the fears that we have about the future, they seem to never actually come? Isn't it funny how all the things we're always afraid of seem to just take care of themselves? That's what Jesus said. He said, take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil, evil thereof. Go to Proverbs chapter 3. We're, we're done right here. Proverbs chapter 3. Let me just give you uh, a quick concept. The Proverbs chapter 3, the, when it comes to finances, the reason people don't like to hear, you know, preaching on finances, preaching about money, preaching about serving God uh, over other things, is because of two things. Number one, your treasure reveals your heart. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. But not only that, it's also because of a lack of faith. And a lack of faith always, whenever we have a lack of faith, we always produce one thing, fear. Remember what we were talking about on Sunday morning? What were they, those guys were afraid. They were fearful. They were afraid. They, they were afraid of the storm. The storm was gone. They were afraid of Jesus. You know, they're afraid of everything. Why was it? Because of a lack of faith. Because faith will cast out fear. Okay? Now here's the thing. When you are afraid financially, it's because of a lack of faith. Now you got you, you got you know. I, I think it's interesting. Let me just leave you with this thought. We're we're almost done. We're we're doing good on time. You know, I've 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 been in church my whole life. I haven't been saved my whole life, but I've been in church my whole life. I've been a pastor now for a few years, and you know, it, it's interesting. And, and and you know, it may be a coincidence, and you may just think it's a coincidence, and maybe it is. But it's interesting that my entire life, everyone, absolutely everyone, that I have ever known, 
And, and, you know, I don't know everybody's faiths, but I'm just talking about people that I know personally, friends, family, people that I would know this about them. Everyone I've ever known who honors God with their finances, I'm talking about tithes and offerings, they always seem to be okay financially. I'm not saying, please don't misunderstand, I'm not saying they're rich. I'm not saying they didn't go through storms. But it always seems like God just took care of them. And by the way, you got to understand this. The only thing that God ever promised to give you was food and raiment. Food and clothing. He didn't promise you a big house. He didn't promise you a big car. He didn't promise you a big bank account. He promised you food and clothing. We had to learn to be content with those things. But you know what? Everyone who honors God their finances, that I've ever known, and I understand, you know, I'm not taking a big survey of the world. I'm just saying everyone I've ever known, seems like God takes care of them. But everyone who I, every time I hear somebody say like, because people say this to me all the time. I don't know why they say it. I wish they stopped because it just makes it awkward for all of us when I preach on finances. <laughs> but people say to me, Pastor, you don't understand. I can't afford to tithe. I always think to myself the same thing. You can't afford not to tithe. Can you afford to have the curse of God on your life? Because that's what the Bible says. <laughs> but you know, people say, well, Pastor, I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford to. You know, I have to do this. I have to do that. I, you, you just don't understand. I, it, it seems like those people are always digging themselves in just a deeper hole. You say, is it just a coincidence? Maybe it is. I don't know. But the Bible says this, Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance. He says, honor the Lord with the things you've got. And with the first fruits of all thine increase. That's talking about the tithe. You tithe the first fruits. You give it first to God. Your increase is what you increase, what you get, what you make. Now, here's what's interesting. I love this verse because I, I, I often go to God with these verses right here. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So, okay, the word so tells us that verse 10 is connected to verse 9. He says, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. He says, you want your barns to be filled with plenty? You want your uh, presses to burst out with new with new wine, he said there is a direct correlation between those who honor the Lord with their substance and with the first fruits of their increase. I wonder, is it a coincidence? Is it a coincidence? Maybe it is. Is it a coincidence that everybody says, I can't tithe, I can't give, I can't, you know, I've got to work, or, or God's not going to... Look, I, I'm just here to tell you, I've done it, and every time I've ever met anybody who did this, who just said to their boss, you know, I refuse to work on a church day because that is a time that I honor God, I've always seen God take care of me. That's just a coincidence. Maybe it is. Or maybe you need to just trust God, oh ye of little faith. You know, I just don't think it's that big of a deal. Here's the problem. Why don't you try it out? Why don't you trust him? Well, I don't know that I can trust him with my finances. Well, then we know where your heart is. That's what Jesus is teaching. Your finances, your treasure, it's not about the money. It's not about the money. It's about your heart. Somebody is telling me this, you know, we're so cheap with God. We want to tip him as he's, as he's some sort of waiter, you know. We, the offering plate goes by and you put your, somebody's telling me this, you put the dollar bill in, you got your one little dollar you're putting into God, you know. And right before you drop it in, you just kind of go like this to make sure you're not accidentally putting two, you know what I mean? I mean, look, that just, that reveals your heart. That shows where your heart is. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Father, I pray that you'd please bless the, the sermon and the message, Lord. And I pray, Father, that people wouldn't leave here just... 
with a bad attitude, just thinking, ah, there we go again, another preacher preaching about finances. Well, there was another preacher preaching about finances. His name was Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that you would please help us to realize that what we do with our finances reveals more of our heart than any other area. Jesus said, He didn't say about any other area other than your treasure. He said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And we understand that when we invest financially into something, then we want to see that succeed. We want to see it grow. Those that invest financially into the ministry of Verity Baptist Church want to see Verity Baptist Church do and grow and accomplish more. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to just live our lives with eternity in view. And there's nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. There's nothing wrong with with being a hard worker and succeeding in life. There's nothing wrong with money, but there is something wrong with loving money. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to just get our hearts focused on the right thing. Help us have our focus on Jesus Christ. Focused on the things that He would have us to do. To seek Him first. To seek the kingdom of God first. To seek His righteousness first. And let Him take care of the rest. Lord, help, help us not to be anxious about the finances. Help us not to be anxious about uh, the economy. Help us to just take no thought for the morrow. To realize that, God, You're in control. You're going to take care of it. And we just need to learn to trust You. We love You, Father. Thank You for Your Word. Help us to apply these thoughts and these principles into our lives. We love You, Lord. In Your precious name I pray. Amen.